0: found live in three
1: two one hey welcome to found live our very special live recording of the found podcast i'm daryl etherington your host and i'm joined by the trivial to my pursuit
0: (laughs) that's me trivial i'm very trivial and you're more in pursuit of things i'm jordan crook thank you so much to everyone for joining us on this live recording of the found podcast found is TechCrunch's podcast where daryl and i talk to founders and get the stories behind the startups we're going to be going live every other thursday and you definitely don't want to miss next thursday when the equity crew will be coming on live they're also an okay podcast so if you like numbers and stuff you go check that (laughs) out they're great no they're cool i like them i do i like them And the podcast is really good. Also, we're welcoming two more podcasts to the TC Pod family. The first is called Chain Reaction, and that'll be led by Lucas Madney and Anita Ramaswamy. They're going to break down what's happening in the wild world of crypto. And the second new one is the TechCrunch Live podcast, which if you're hanging out with us, then chances are you've heard of TechCrunch Live, and that's just coming to you in audio format. So same thing, just, you know, different format. Okay, we did all of our promos and our plugs and stuff, and now we get to get into it. I'm excited. Our guest today is Thor Friedrichsen. He's the CEO and co-founder of Rocky Road. You may also know him from founding Quiz Up. He was the founder of Trivia Royale or Tea Time Games. Essentially like king of mobile gaming is the way I like to think of him. Thor, how's it going, man?
2: Yes, king Of mobile gaming, I'd I'd love to start every interview like that. That's awesome,
0: (laughs) yeah. Well, I mean, we're gonna get into the bad stuff too. For okay, it's not all roses, it's why it's why the company's called Rocky Road, right? It's been a rocky road for you, but that's true. If somebody knows how to make a viral mobile game, it's this dude. So, we have tons to
2: talk about. Yes. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Jordan. Do you want
1: to, I know you can't go into too much, you've, you've previewed to us that you can't go into too much detail, but how much can you tell us about Rocky Road and your current venture? Because that's usually how we start these things out of like, give us a high level overview of kind of why, what you're up to
2: now. Well, it's, it's brand new, you know, so there isn't that much I can disclose. We just closed our seed round like uh, two months ago. Mm-hmm. So we are... Kind of at this amazing stage, which I actually like the best, the ideation states, where we kind of still have a pretty blank canvas. I mean, of course, you know, we know what we're building, but there can still be so many cool changes to, to where we're going. And there's a lot of wireframing. And just, I, I think that I've tried building companies that scale really quickly. And, you know, at all different stages, they have these different cons, uh, pros and cons. Mm. But this stage that I'm at right now, where you're kind of just you just finished your seed funding. So you're not like worried about, you know, next month's balance, but everything is so open. Everything is so free. It's a, it's a magical time. And I think that any entrepreneur that just finishes seed funding on some great idea that he has, you know, those couple of months after that, they're just, they're just great. So I'm super excited about that.
1: Nice. Yeah. That's a very exciting time. Yeah.
2: But you know, like, the company is called Rocky Road. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's not the product. That's just the, the company. But also, as, as Jordan mentioned, I mean, my journey at least, and I think most entrepreneurial journeys are, you know, they, they have their victories and they have their losses. Mm-hmm. They have, like, the, the darkest of times and they have the best of times. You know, it, it, I think, like, no entrepreneur or no one that's done anything that's become big hasn't experienced those dreadful moments where you think all is lost and you just want to give everything up And I think that's, like, one of the reasons why the new company is called Rocky Road, because the journey is a rocky road. And if you can kind of evade the the pitfalls, you will, you know, hopefully reach the summit. That's kind of my, you know, ethos here.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, that is probably something a lot of the people in our audience, because a lot of the people in our audience are are likely embarking on it for the first time, right? So maybe Mm -hmm. they might be pre the point you're at now where you have that elation that, like, well, we got the money in and now we have lots of ideation going on and, and we're ready to run right so maybe mm-hmm. they're in the first like pre a little bit desperation looking around but i think it's worthwhile especially from somebody with your background to like you're now baking that in like you're like this is the experience start to finish mm-hmm. and like when you built your first company did you expect that or mm-hmm. what did you think about when you were going into it the first time around if you can think back
2: i mean before QuizUp, which was kind of the first hit title that I that I got involved in or, or or I did, you know, I had my my series of failures actually, mm-hmm. and I mean I had absolutely no idea what I was getting into when I founded my first company. I had just recently graduated university. I, I wasn't even thinking about going into the startup scene. I mean at that point or the tax scene because I'm not. I'm not an engineer, mm. I don't have the background for that. But I had like a pivotal moment in, in, in my kind of career when I was studying. So I was doing like this business degree in England or in Oxford and they had this event at Oxford It was called Silicon Valley Comes to Oxford. So it was like this, this is like in 2008, I think, you know, just when the crashes happened. <laughs> and like. During this week, I was kind of intrigued by it. Like some of the, the real big shots of Silicon Valley came over to Oxford and spent mm. like a week with us, like the MBA students. And we had like really big names there. You had Elon Musk, you know, you had Reid Hoffman, you had Biz Stone, you know, all these you know veteran founders. And they actually like spent a lot of time with us younglings there. Wow. You know, we, we did dinners and workshops and all of that. And I think that if there's one kind of a, a point in time where, because I'm obviously not from the US, I'm, I'm from Iceland, which mm. is like not uh, known for their vibrant, at that time, at least, the tech community or startup community, I just got completely entranced by mm. this this journey, this, this tech company, Silicon Valley dream somehow. And I think that's when I decided that I wanted to start my own tech company. And there wasn't, you know, I didn't even know what I was going to do in the beginning. Right. So, you know, I just wanted to be a part of this fabulous story. And it was like, I imagined it much more glamorous right. than it actually is. And that's like a very mm-hmm. big mistake for every entrepreneur that kind of you know, thinks about the journey as being, yeah, like a road of victories that people are just laying out red carpets for you. It's not <laughs> like that. You, you meet a lot of resistance. Yeah.
1: It's I mean, it sounds like the, it was beneficial in one way that you had all those luminaries, but then it was also like, it's everybody for whom, I mean, they also had their own, you know, reversals and whatever, but like, it's a lot of people who just did very, very well. Right. So you have like, you've already narrowed your example case to like, this is the best yeah. possible the scenario. stars.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes,
1: yes. <sighs>
0: well, Let's talk about the Rocky Road, though, Thor, because I think that, like, I want to talk a lot about the actual, the game you're building. And I know you can't share everything about it, but there's some Mm -hmm. stuff we could talk about. But it's almost impossible to do it without the context of everything Mm -hmm, before. mm -hmm. And, like, I've been following Mm -hmm. Thor for a billion years, it feels like. From the beginning, I was Mm -hmm. writing about Quiz Up. I wrote about Tea Time. Mm -hmm. And, like, how I imagine you is, like, you care so much about the experience of the game that, like... Anything that interferes with that is super problematic to you, right? Like you're pretty stubborn about anything that interferes with that. And that's in a lot of ways what has led to so much success, right? Like QuizUp had millions of players. Mm -hmm. Trivia Royale blew up. Yeah. Yeah. And Trivia (laughs) Royale blew up in like 10 minutes. Mm. Like it was out of nowhere. It was like this huge thing for a while but it's caused issues with your monetization. I remember talking about QuizUp. Mm-hmm. People were like, "Well, and it's important for the audience to remember that QuizUp was pre-subscriptions. It was pre-like, mm-hmm. you know, in-app purchases and some of that stuff. So it was like mm-hmm. kind of inventing mm-hmm. the economy of mobile gaming in a lot of ways. So instead of having that regular playbook, we're like, "Oh, ads." Just like ads, 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 ads. Right. And Thor was like, "Absolutely not. We'll only do native ads that are like beautiful and mm. part of the game so essentially like mm. a quiz about coca-cola or something right mm-hmm. which is impossible to scale and so like i don't impossible.
1: know
2: impossible
0: yeah <laughs> difficult
2: one and- of the lessons yeah
1: there's a learning right there
2: yeah there's a learning but they were nice you know when the partnerships with every big brand in the world uh-huh. almost you know and they paid a lot for like a, but you know again it's the scaling thing that's that's hard to deal with and the only I hate to say it, but when it comes to really scaling up these kind of revenue streams, if you're not doing premium subscriptions or and app purchases is through ads and The reality is that programmatic ads are horrible, and I'll just say it I'm in the mobile gaming business, and I thought they were going to get better with like some interactive ads and all of that, but I don't know I, we can go into that later, but I truly believe that mobile entertainment, even though it's like bigger than ever before, I mean, it's the, it's the single biggest entertainment sector in the world. Yeah. It's bigger than anything else. And right now it's being driven by performance marketing and ads yeah. with the likes of hyper casuals that are like just dominating the charts everywhere. And, you know, I think it kind of sucks. I, I'll yeah. just be totally honest with yeah. you. And like as, as a person that kind of values like the experience, I mean, they don't even try to make these games viral or try to create like these wow moments or try to, you know, get you to play with your friends, like all of these things that are really like important to me in, in my games, at least. And I'm not complaining. I'm just saying like what I'm doing now is actually like kind of the, the answer to this. And we'll go into that later. But right now, casuals for example, I mean, they are basically just like a delivery mechanism for ads. Yes. The only purpose of these games is to get you in at the lowest possible CPI or the lowest right. possible cost. The only like, and I, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm offending anyone. I no, mean, there no, are, of just course, go for it. Good Be examples bold, in between. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the majority of these games are crap. And they are have like very sophisticated equations behind it, like huge Excel and like analytics around it. Like, how can we get the user, the average user, to watch enough ads to justify the buying mm-hmm. price. It's basically mm-hmm. just the CPI LTV equation yeah. without getting too technical. And that's what you'll feel, you know, when you, when you try these hyper casuals, you might be like intrigued by the gameplay, you see an ad on it, and they'll start immediately with interstitials, with rewarded ads. And it's funny, I mean, can you imagine it? Like, it's getting harder and harder to shut down these ads have you noticed that you like you know right. you get like a touch plane is like you have to wait, uh, wait, wait where is that where's the, where yeah. the x oh it's like a tiny yeah. X right in the corner you Try to take it, and maybe you have like big fingers. Oh no! You go to the app store. Oh, I oh, hit go the back. oh yeah! Oh, try it again. Yeah. Oh, then there's another screen. And then it's, and like, then it's like you like love that. Like you I'm really like,
0: like that one. You want to buy it, don't you? And it's,
2: yeah. Yeah. You yeah, click yeah, yeah, on yeah. it so many times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I understand that this is a great business. The hyper casual and the, the whole performance marketing. I mean, all these companies around that are up to doing the optimizations. All of it. Yeah. It's a big business. But I mean, the quality of these games and the experience, I think it's gone down. Right. I think like the kids, the entertainment, like the kids are playing, right? At this point in time, we thought we'd be at a very sophisticated place with the experiences, but they're not. They I feel they've kind of gone backwards in many cases.
1: I agree, and I think when we were covering the Activision Blizzard acquisition offer or whatever, King is there. Money maker. The part of them that people think Absolutely. about as Activision Blizzard is actually minuscule in relative mm-hmm. to the revenue that, that King dropped, the Candy Crush maker King. So it's, yeah. it's just, and it's like you're talking about, and this is, I also don't want to get reader email, but whatever. <laughs> the capitalist engine is so effective at just reducing mm-hmm. the thing to, it's a lab rep equation yeah, by the time yeah. you're done,
2: right? A- absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it works. I mean, like, it, like because it's so easy to get, like, if you do any iterations, because, like, all the A-B testing, it's so effective. Mm-hmm. You can see, like, immediately if there's a difference that matters or, a, like, within a standard deviation or so, that you can calculate so precisely on how these experiences are. And, look, I've been, like, also worked as a consultant. So I've been, like, had lots of touch points in, like, bigger companies with this, and, and I don't know, I mean, it's just another business, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it, like the, the, the companies, they know they're not making good games, but it doesn't really matter yeah. because the economics are there. And that's, of course, what matters in a capitalistic society. And I'm not saying that's a wrong thing. Right. I'm just saying this is like an unfortunate side effect of how well these kind of experiences can generate money through the users, through ads, that that really dictates this experience, not necessarily in favor of of the user. But,
0: like, how do you find your personal equilibrium with that, right? Because, like, you clearly love games. Like, I've heard you talk about games and what it feels like to play mm-hmm. a game. And it's such, mm-hmm. it's like an art to you. And you Absolutely. can clearly tell if anybody in the audience has played any hyper-casual mobile game in the last 10 years-ish, right? Or maybe five years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can tell that there is so much more time and energy spent on the marketing of it and the ad system of it and the economy of it than there is on the game itself. Like I've clicked on ads for games that are completely different than the actual game. Like it looks right. completely yes. different in the ad. Uh, like
2: uh, yeah, it's yeah. the
0: most misleading thing in the world. It's like, oh, you're gonna do this, this, and this. And it's like actually just like a video that was made up that has nothing to do with the actual game.
2: Mm. I mean, I, I've been involved in these kinds of like marketing A-B tests and they're so stupid. You know, I, <laughs> I, like when we did Trio Royale, for example, I mean, we had to get in on it. You know, we just had to find a way because we had a certain LTV and we wanted to get more users in. So we started doing ads and we did like, I was a part of this machine for a while with my last company. And we were like doing really nice polished ads of the gameplay, like, you know, making it exciting and, and like give a good representation of what the game was. And those ads did okay. And then we were like, let's try to like see what the others are doing and just do something stupid. Just just do like, like a paper and a pen and just do some stick man that is walking around the forest. And we ran them, ran these ads, and some of them were like performing better than the actual game. And they'll <laughs> go like, that's fine. And I know it's just so, it seems like such the wrong direction to go. I mean, I don't know.
0: Well, and it's just like, that's what I'm saying. It feels like you're like almost the lone man. Like there's this big industry built up around the uh, math and the science of marketing and uh, lab ratting. I, I
2: wouldn't say I'm the lone man. I mean, right. there are amazing studios out there. Yeah, so I'm right, not going right, to right. discredit them at all. Like that are really nice. And I have, you know, a lot of great inspirations from, from a lot of them. I personally feel like when you're trying to get traction, you're trying to get in users, I have this... For my next game, for example, mm. you know, of course, we'll use some some targeted marketing and we'll try to find, you know, low CPI ads and try to find the markets. We'll do some of that. But I want to create a product where you don't need that kind of marketing. Mm-hmm. For example, with QuizUp, this was a little bit before. I mean, we did have some sort of mobile marketing, but those algorithms and machines weren't there. You know, we launched the game and we had zero marketing. We only had what's called the K factor, which is basically like, if someone tries the game, you know, how many people around you do you drag into the game? It's like, you know, everyone knows this now after the pandemics, the K factor, the the liberality, of course, sorry about that. But I feel that if you, as a designer of experiences, which I think gaming is, if you're able to create like a game that has this wow moment, this moment where you go like, oh man, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. And it makes you want to like, tell your friends about it or like, hey, John, you know, try this game with me. If you're able to create that kind of magic, that's what I want to build.
0: But like, you've created that magic before, though, Thor. Like,
2: you... I know, but like, the funny thing is, there are so few games that do this. You have some amazing examples, like in the mobile gaming industry, you have like, Among Us, Remember mm-hmm. that game so that like, went really viral, you know? Amazing, slow budget, you know, they weren't doing major ad campaigns on that. You had Pokemon Go as an example. Right. I mean, of course they did marketing, but it, it was just like such a wow experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And they've proven through their subsequent things that it's not just the IP. Like they had the Harry Potter IP, yeah. very, very attractive IP. Exactly. Could, not, could exactly. not catch fire, right? So, no. Yeah.
2: I mean, and it's just funny if you think about it, if you think about like the mobile gaming industry, like as compared to the movie industry. I mean, in the movie industry, you have these hit movies. Everyone wants to see them, because people talk about them, there's buzz around them. You don't have a lot of those kind of, you know, viral, organic hit games on mobile. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost all of these games now, it's the biggest gaming, it's the biggest entertainment industry in the world. But these really thought-provoking, great experiences, they are really few and far between. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of the same formula again and again. I don't know. I'm, I might be threading on dangerous waters here by, like, you know, talking down to the whole mobile gaming industry, which I'm not. Right. I mean, it's amazing. We have three billion people playing mobile games all over the world. But I feel that a little bit more focus on the user experience is something that this this industry really needs, and that is actually what I'm trying to. I'm gonna try to bring in my next hopefully a phenomenal product.
0: But like, so how much are you thinking about revenue? Because like, it does feel a little bit unstoppable force and movable object.
1: Yeah, especially since you're VC backed and like, what do your investors think about? Is there a red line?
0: You're good at making the magic, right? Like that's not the issue. Like we know you can do that. But like, if you can't Mm -hmm. work with the system in place, and you have to come up with one to mm-hmm. replace it that's actually going to work. Otherwise, there's no mm-hmm. reason. I mean, at the end of the day, the VCs are like, "Well, where's the money, though? Where's my check?"
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, you're absolutely right, and I, I'm sure that a lot of very high-profile investors, if they're watching this show, some of my <laughs> former investors will go like, "Oh, dear, God, or, <laughs> like <laughs> so easy to talk like that. Oh, it has to be beautiful, and then yeah. just like waste <laughs> tens of millions of dollars." I understand that, and I'm for you. I mean. I have made some investors money and some I've lost money that's kind of the journey mm-hmm. but that is the challenge for me. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean and games have done that. Yes. There are beautiful games that don't rely on programmatic ads that you know give great value to users through microtransactions, for example, and IIPs. And and I feel that when I was like starting with QuizUp, IIPs and microtransactions were very much frowned upon mm-hmm. as like some money scheme because people weren't used to them. But right now, for example, the market has changed. And if you are giving some real value in exchange for a microtransaction, I think that's okay. Yeah. Look, I generally just don't like when companies or gaming companies when you get the feeling, the user gets the feeling, that the company is almost trying to trick you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, to, to give you a, a little bit of a carrot and wait, no, here's a paywall. You know, that's a bad experience. Yeah. But if you create an experience where, for example, you have in Fortnite, like amazing experience for users, you know, buying, I don't know how many billions of dollars or whatever, what it is in, in different like skins and dances and these things. I mean, I think that's great. Mm -hmm. That's just a voluntary exchange of money for something that they really cherish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that we need to, and I mean, others have, of course, but I don't think the road ahead is dark. I think the whole programmatic ad part will change going forward. Yeah,
1: And I think there's some credit due to the bad actors. This is sounding weird already, but like (laughs) the people who have gone to the extremes with the kind of stuff you're talking about with IAP, like dark patterns and just like, As a person who has a highly addicted personality, like Mm -hmm. tricking me into going like, damn it, I do need three more hours on this whatever casual mobile game. Mm -hmm. Like those have opened the door for good actors to show themselves in relief, right? And do things like Fortnite and where it's like, that's fine, right? Everybody's bought into this. Everybody goes in eyes wide open. They know what they're getting. You're not being blackmailed into it, right? So I think that's one positive outcome. And I do think you're right that it's possible. But as you keep talking about it, the more I think, because in my head, I'm like, what are the good examples? What are the good actor examples? And to me, they all come up as console. So I think that Mm -hmm. there are a few mobile ones, but it seems like mobile is really a tougher nut to crack in that regard. The economics aren't yet figured out for that middle ground space
0: well you also have to think about the fact that your console is not pulling you in 100 directions when you turn it on so you can sit and immerse yourself into a story or a game or even like a quick hit game right that's happening rapid fire but like there's no push notifications that are like you should do this or like be on twitter or like be on facebook or be on instagram or like here's an email here's a calendar invite like it's so hard mm. to keep the attention yeah. of users on mobile.
2: I also think like that the ad networks, because it's been such a booming business over the past years, they've just made it relatively easy for game developers to create revenue with almost no effort. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be some like the big problem. I remember when QuizUp we were getting into monetization problems, and I wanted to figure out do more of these amazing. Partnerships with Google Maps or Coca-Cola or whatever it is these branded, you know ads that were actually a game and We got an investor. I, I'm sure I can't get the name. It was a big gaming company I have all sorts of NDAs that I, I'm not aware of I'm sure but
1: <laughs> you signed so many things who knows what they said
2: yeah. yeah, yeah, but because like we had like a huge we always without advertising I mean, can you imagine it like quiz up three years in we were still getting around, you know 50 60,000 new users a day without ads I mean, it was crazy. Wow. It was just like new pockets of reality like spreading around the world. Anyway, they told me, or like I said, like it's so easy. Just put like a banner, like a persistent banner on top of everything all the time. Mm-hmm. We've calculated that the minutes spent in the game by hundreds of thousands of DAUs here, you'll get this kind of revenue. And I mean, they weren't wrong. Mm-hmm. It's so easy. Just throw in an interstitial every three minutes. And the big thing, and this is where I contradict myself, is that these interstitials and like throwing down these ads, it doesn't affect retention as much as you think. Mm. You'd think that my argument would be like, no, I want a beautiful experience. Mm. You know, I want the retention to be high, but they really don't. But it's still a bad experience. Yeah. So there isn't like, I don't have the magic solution here. Yeah. Actually, I might be talking in circles to some extent. No, no, But, but right now, it's just so easy for developers to create like some sort of hyper-casual, just some sort of a game mechanic. Just throw the ball, do this, and then just have the ad networks do all the optimizing, just throw in some placements for ads, and start to make some money. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes game developers, to some extent, lazy, mm-hmm. because there are maybe more sustainable ways to build the revenue stream into the game with microtransactions, with subscriptions, with you know these kind of passes or, or whatever you call them. And I think it's a preferable way. But this like whole podcast is just talking about the performance marketing market industry right now. So
0: well, let's talk about what you're building next, right? Because like, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm trying to tread on because I think that we've had some more off the record <sighs> conversations about what you're building, and then we've talked about it for mm-hmm. the site. So I'm trying to be super careful about that. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you do lean mm-hmm. in toward microtransactions, right? And I can't believe yes. I'm about yeah. to ask this question. Daryl's gonna
2: mm.
0: be shocked, but like. <laughs> Considering everything that's going on with Web3, like how mm-hmm. much are you thinking about good spot in your next game being something, I mean, if we're talking about like stickiness and retention and like a long lasting experience, being able to take some of those cool things with you out into mm-hmm. other places, is that something that's on your mind at all?
2: It's a very dangerous, you know, <laughs> path. We're going on talking about this. It's a minefield, especially in gaming,
1: too. Yeah, it's a minefield. <laughs> yeah.
2: So maybe to explain a little bit my position, my company now, Rocky Roads, we've been developing a game. And we, of course, aim for it to be the next phenomenon in gaming. That's kind of how we think about it. And we're fortunate enough that we have had a lot of luck delivering some titles that really become hits in the US and over the world. So you're right, I think we have some idea of of how to do that. And our objective, actually, and this is important, you know, when you talk about crypto as well, is that we, you know, QuizUp had over 100 million users. Mm. Pokemon Go had a couple of hundred millions of users and all of that. In our design process right now, we are designing an experience that we want to be experienced and be the first mobile game, basically, that gets one billion users. Okay, I know that sounds like ridiculously, you know, ambitious and we can have (laughs) a a lot of success without actually getting that milestone. Mm. However, when you think about it like this, you start to design the experience a little bit differently because you have to start to think about like accessibility. How can we create like a experience that can be enjoyed by almost everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's like a big part of our design thesis. There will be all sorts of artifacts, items, and other things in our game that would be very suitable for NFTs or for crypto. And I remember when I did my seed funding, can't say names, we had an offer from an investor that's very much into crypto. Mm. And they just said it plain out to me, like Thor, like this game, it is the perfect crypto game. It is like, you know, it is the perfect game for NFTs you should just lean on it hard. And, and that was like kind of their condition to bring in right. quite a lot of capital into the company. So I decided at that point in time to wait. And the main reason is, as I said again, accessibility. I think that the concept of the token economy and like having something that you own and you can take with you or you can resell and whatever, I think the, the idea and the concept has a lot of merits. Mm-hmm. But right now, I think it's really a bandwagon that companies are going into to be able to secure more funding because there is a lot of funding opportunities yes. for in this space. And I feel that at this point in time, it does not add to the accessibility of any title. Yeah. I mean, of course, I've tried this and I've been following this. You know, you, you will play Axie Infinity and mm-hmm. yeah, hopefully not get all your money stolen away from you. Sorry, <laughs> that was uncalled for. Yeah. No, but like <laughs> just the, the process of like just starting the game of like, you have to get your own wallet. You have right. to do all of this. You have to be like a, a little bit of an engineer just to get through. And I know that our new solutions trying to solve that, but they're definitely not there yet. No. So my view on this is that I kind of understand both sides or both camps in this. I see potential in crypto and NFTs in games for sure. But it's just something that we will be watching carefully and wondering at some point whether we want to add to our game. But we're not building the game around the concept. Right, And I think that's just so important. I think I have a slide in my seed deck that says like, sure, we have NFT potential. Sure, the game is kind of like a metaverse. But we don't want to race based on these buzzwords. You know, we just don't want to jump on a bandwagon because it's there. Yeah. We want to create a beautiful experience. And then if we can add these things and if we feel it's adding to the experience of the users at some point, sure, of course we look at it. But right now, I, I don't think that It just hinders a lot of people from actually joining. Does it make sense, what I'm saying?
1: (laughs) It it makes a lot of sense. And it's great. Like I'm thrilled to hear you talk about it that way because it is, you know, we cover a lot of crypto stuff and I see endless debate about it, obviously, on Twitter and TechCrunch and everything else. Mm -hmm. But like Mm -hmm. the point of it right now, you expressed it very well, and it's something I've struggled to express, but I think that it's something that a lot of people would agree is functionally true, is that while it has at its heart an ethos of, Free and open accessibility to everyone. It mm-hmm. is functionally the opposite of that. It's functionally something yeah. that creates
0: it's a lot of friction. Private
1: and exclusive clubs, Yeah. To which no one can gain admittance unless you have a certain amount of money or a certain amount of technical expertise, right? And I agree.
2: Yeah. And I also don't want to like have any like big statements on crypto no, no, right no, now no. because we are going to be doing our like you know next round of funding soon, and I know when I like, <laughs> you might to have to, to use, use that here.
0: Thing <laughs> on mobile gaming. <laughs>
2: On, you know, Mobile games,
0: crypto, crypto, it's all crack, everybody's you know. stupid. Okay, <laughs> look at
2: me, the savior. <laughs> <laughs> look at me, the savior. Oh, Thor, you're always so much fun.
0: Well, now, okay, but to be
2: honest with you, like, I, I can tell you that we are doing a metaverse. <laughs> I, know, I uh, what, what was I was gonna say, <laughs> but no, we are, we are doing one way to describe it is that we are kind of taking some of the good things from casuals and hyper casuals. Mm-hmm. And we're not doing a hyper-casual game, as you can imagine after my rant (laughs) earlier in this podcast. But, you know, they have some, you know, redeeming features. One of them is that hyper-casuals are really easy to get into. They're really simple. You know, you don't need a tutorial. Just games are too complicated. Mm -hmm. If I want to get to the billion player base, you can't have a steep learning curve. That's just like one of the prerequisites. And you could say that we are making a bit of a casual MMO would be one way of saying it. Mm -hmm. So it's very heavy on social meeting people, playing with friends in a way that does not intimidate, does not need a tutorial, you know, something you can play with your spouse, with your kid, with your mom in a completely new way. And I don't want to give too much up, but I have to say, though, I've been in a lot of projects over my years. Of course, I'm always super excited about what I'm doing at the time, but I think this is definitely the the most ambitious and the, the project I'm most excited about that I've ever been involved in. I feel it kind of takes all the good parts from what I've done in my previous games and marries them with some other new stuff. As I said before, I, it's a new company. I have some great people with me. I have a one, one little bit bit bump in the road. We have a pretty big team of engineers that are located in Ukraine right now. as uh-huh. a lot of gaming companies, which has been, of course, a little bit... A rock in the road, yeah. so to speak. Well, I'm not tugging it down. It's more than that. But but that's just the, the journey we are. Yeah. It's it's surreal. We I mean they're and they're working and wow. we are. I'm doing, Zoom calls to Ukraine where we sometimes have to stop because there's an air alarm that goes off and that's that's surreal. Yeah. But yeah, I have a bit of a downer here. I'm sorry. Oh, know, but other than that, we are at this stage in the, the company where. We just got funding. We have this amazing idea. We have a real North Star, which is one of the most important things as a founder that you can have. Mm -hmm. That's like, I can have another podcast on that, on like the mistakes you can do as founders. And one of them is not kind of having a North Star on the product side before you start. And we have that. And we're just working towards that goal. And it's going to be a couple of years, but I really can't wait to, to show it to the world.
0: So like, how do you think about because when you are trying to get a billion people on a game, right, you were talking about accessibility, like it's so broad, Mm -hmm. right? It has to appeal to so many people. And yet, Mm -hmm. like most games, whether they're like console or PC games that are super in-depth and immersive or they're even casual games that are shitty, like the ones we've been talking about, have Mm -hmm. like some theme to them. Right? Like Mm. maybe it's not even Mm -hmm. like a theme and like a content based theme, but like a visual theme or like Mm -hmm. something that ultimately ends up slicing the audience, right?
2: You're completely right. I mean, we thought about this, like, as I said, we are creating a a game that is an open world game to some extent. But as soon as you add a theme to it, you're going to slash away a big part of the audience. I mean, do we do a sci-fi game, Mm. you know, that happens in outer space? No, right. you lose like 70% of the audience, like right there. You know, not everyone, I mean, I like space things, but not everyone does. We love so space what about things. Thanos? We'll play mm-hmm. your space game. What about like, I know I, I already did a space <laughs> game actually. It wasn't popular. <laughs> That I learned that that was like one of the my rocks. <laughs> Hyper speed, it was called. Was I remember it. Anyway. It was tea time. It was tea time. But anyway, uh, and then we could do like fantasy. I mean, everyone likes fantasy, right? No. No. Surprisingly, <laughs> I would have thought so. I mean, Game of Thrones was pretty mainstream and, and Lord of the Rings and all of this stuff. But no, that's not going to be the billion player game. Mm. And I just think it's like, a, you know, again, so people don't think I'm crazy, you know, going on a podcast saying I'm going to do the billion player game. We can have a very successful game without reaching that milestone, I just wanna say that. It's just more how you think about it. When you think about making a game.
1: I love that you've used it as an eliminator. Yeah, yeah, yeah You yeah. described already like it's a focuser, right? Because you're like, okay, the people come here and exactly. I'm like that. And it's the same.
0: And it sounds like it would be the opposite, but it actually is like no. a box yeah. of constriction that's yes.
2: good, right? It's really big, but I mean, it's a pretty narrow box, actually, mm-hmm. because it, you, you can like eliminate so many design choices. You know, we, we're not going to have complicated, you know, RPG stats, you know, your strength, your dexterity or whatever it is. Or like, even though I love role playing, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love it, but uh, that's gonna scare away my mom for sure. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So our challenge has been like, how can we make an experience that is so super simple, you don't need any tutorial, you just kind of start, but it's still, you know, engaging enough and deep enough keep you hooked and more importantly to want to play it with your friends Mm -hmm. and that's why we have like a mantra here in in rocky road and i think a lot of game companies should use this mantra is that the game it has to be great alone i mean there has to be an element of single player experience because sometimes you just want to like play something in the bathroom and just you know be alone with it Mm -hmm. it has to become better with people you know, like multiplayer, like getting to meet people, the communication, the social part and do it well. Mm. But most importantly, it has to become best with friends. And this is where almost all mobile companies fail. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have some good examples of this, but where if you create a product, if you, again, create this wow moment that you want to bring your friends to play it, and it's easy to connect. You don't have to create a room, join room, searching, like these kind of, you know, processes, how can you just make it super simple for friends, whether they're sitting in the same room together, or far apart, just to start playing, mm-hmm. and create an enjoyable experience. And I feel that that is one of our objectives with our new title. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's a mess. And I'm being
2: very cryptic here. It, tonight, you are,
1: but, but I mean, you know, even as you're describing it, it's, it's clear, like, we've already talked a lot about the sort of, like, world-building constraints, but you've also just described a whole bunch of technical constraints, right? Like, you're really setting a lot of significant challenges. You're, You're talking about joining rooms or whatever, being on the same network, Android, iOS, like, all of these things come into play when you're talking about easy you know, jumping in with, with multiplayer environments or with friends and, mm-hmm. which is to say, great, wonderful more. <laughs> I mean, the whole time you've been talking, I've been thinking, this is great. It's so exciting to hear about somebody who's taking real risks. Cause you talked about all those formulas. Those are kind of like the way a lot of, VC works now, unfortunately, it's like, oh, you pattern match this thing where it's like, well, in the original days of VC, that was absolutely not the case. It was, oh, do you completely buck the trend of the thing that we're seeing? Therefore, I'm going to bet on you because it's an immense risk. But if you change it, it all changes. And then I win big. Mm -hmm. And what you're describing sounds like that, not the other thing, which is exciting.
2: Yes. I mean, I guess it is. And I mean, that is the risk. I'm not saying I would be successful at it, but I think that the other way would just to to create fun gaming experiences, which I have quite got a lot of experience in, and, and like kind of dress them as hyper casuals and just throw a lot of ads in. Mm-hmm. It. And again, I'm, I always feel like I'm I'm done talking some of my colleagues here who are poor, doing this
1: poor hyper casuals,
2: <laughs> but you know, in Quiz Up. It was, a, it was a very casual experience, you know. I was very adamant on it being simple, with no tutorial, so I had some of the same principles there. And we were like pissing people together, like from all over the world, based on their interests. So you would play, you could like go into the Game of Thrones topic, for example, mm-hmm. and, and you would play someone, a random person from somewhere far away, and you would do some games. And we made it really easy for people to connect to chat to each other to add u s friends and and so forth and the results were that like we had I think like dozens of weddings or marriages that happened just from people connecting on a social game like quizup and I know I sound like I want to make a dating app right now, which I don't, <laughs> but I think that for me as a as a game designer or or in this industry to create like a product that is that is elegant and really helps you connect with new people or your current, you know, friends mm-hmm. in a meaningful way. That is like the, the greatest source of contentment that that I ever felt from uh, some of my previous games yeah. or ventures. So I hope that I'll be able to replicate some of that in our next product.
1: I hope so too. What's
0: the timeline, Thor? Like, when are we going to get to play this game with 999 million when others? When are we going to get an invite, yeah.
1: a test flight invite?
2: So we are... <laughs> As as you just mentioned, Daryl, there's a lot of not only like design challenges, but also a lot of technical challenges that we're faced because we want to make this different than anything else. So uh, right now we are in the phase of kind of proving out some of the technical hurdles that became very apparent as soon as you started to develop the first MVPs. So I feel that this is a bigger project than any I've done before. So I'm expecting it. I think, Jordan, that I'll ping you in about a year when we have something to show. Maybe something before the end of the year. But that's not, not going to be for the public yet. I think like a public launch will be in two to three years.
1: Now put it on the couch. That sounds reasonable given everything you're trying to do. But is that something like it, you've it, talked about it
2: doesn't sound reasonable for mobile games. I mean right, no. you know, hypercasuals they, no. they took like two weeks to debug yeah. a lot of them. But you know. when you're having but, conversations
1: yeah. with VCs and you say that number, do you see kind of their do they just get up and walk out of the room or how does that part of the
2: conversation? Yeah, I mean <laughs> I mean they they'll add a couple of months to it because yeah. you know, that's <laughs> inevitably what happens in every single software planning, you know the situation I've ever been, yes. been into. So, you know, don't tell the VCs, but it's probably like more like four years. <laughs> All right, we'll keep it between us. <laughs> no, no, but it's, uh, I, mean, I mean, I mean, of course, you have to do it in, in slices yeah. and you have to do some focus testing and some, you know, MVPs on different features that you'll try out. You'll do soft launches. I mean, there are like tons of ways to. Do that now and, and lots of easy ones actually. Mm-hmm. Because we're still in the ideation stage I mean the whole roadmap hasn't been set yep. already. We're just working on that. You know, again, I l- really look forward to creating a great experience for people that will make them want to share it with their friends. Yeah. That's like the main part. If we get there, you know, then, then we're already ahead of 99% of all mobile games. Right. If you just create a game that you feel so good about or you have some experience that makes you go to your friend and say, like you have to try this. Yeah, yeah. Because we're totally immune to that right now. We just play the next hypercasio and we just like do it for a couple of seconds and then we, we go to the next one. Yeah. And
1: even if you get really into it yourself, no one has ever come up to me yeah. and said like, oh, have you ever played whatever clicker? And I'll, I know. Like- I
2: mean, this was like maybe happened in the beginning of mobile, but it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. It's so noisy. And this is the reason why performance marketing is so important to these companies, because People don't do this anymore. Yeah, no K-factor But I think that it's because the product don't provide that opportunity. Yeah,
1: it's sort of a chicken and egg problem, right? Like the performance market has yeah. somewhat killed that. Yeah. But yeah, I'm thinking like back to probably Monument Valley. This was like the last one that I was actively... Amazing like, game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, I really hope personally that you achieve everything you set it to do because it sounds fantastic. As selfishly, it just personally aligns with a lot of my thoughts around the gaming industry and where it's gone. I. Do you ping back and forth. For like, is this just nostalgia? But no, it's not. There are games that are quality experiences, and it's a shame if you know generations who are coming up now and using the mobile device as their primary computing device like don't get to have those kinds of experiences. They get a very mm-hmm. sort of like
2: lessened version of that, right? But I think like a good company that I always admire a lot mm. that has never really I feel fallen into into this trap is Nintendo. I think right. Nintendo. Yes are like you know they're super I mean I'm talking down other companies but they, they have this kind of ethos of doing things in the right experience so definitely that's as I said it's a huge market so there are really good players there Nintendo is one of them although there are other things about that we're not going to go into that mm-hmm. but but yeah I mean there are amazing games there but it doesn't change the fact that these hit games on mobile they're really few went far between mm-hmm. It's not like the movies when you have like, oh, you know, people aren't waiting for this amazing new movie and everyone's going to see it. It's like 99% of mobile games are so spread out. Like the long tail is just so incredibly long. Although like it's mostly the same games that are making the revenue and it's still the same games. It's still Candy Crush. Mm -hmm. It's still, you know, you have these games that are just like hanging in there and they've been doing it for several years.
1: Yeah. And now they're getting movies made out of them too actually I don't know if candy crush has been option but I'm sure I'm sure it's in line
0: <laughs> I don't it's, even know how you make that a movie but I'm sure that will I mean there was a whole movie about emojis so
2: yeah <laughs> hey, look one of the reasons my comp like quiz up failed was a Hollywood deal that went down the drain oh. that's one of my pain most painful kind of lessons
1: so with that one for for the entrepreneurs listening when hollywood comes calling
0: deals with other <laughs> uh, <yeah>. avoid them <laughs> but like it's not just hollywood right like i just feel like thor like if you get approached in the future you are super successful at this and anyone comes around right mm-hmm. like an acquisition offer mm-hmm. a big hollywood deal book deal whatever mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. i feel like you're gonna be a bit, a bit wary about that have you like made any hard rules like i'm never selling i'm taking it public or like
2: well, you know, I mean, I've had a couple of these instances with my companies. You had Quiz Up, for example, we, we signed this huge deal with NBC to make like, it was called Quiz Up America. Show. It was a game show, like an interactive yeah. game show. And uh, it was a pretty big deal, actually. We spent millions and millions of dollars in making a pilot. I went with, and I have to admit, like at that point in time, I kind of got swept away, like with the glamour mm-hmm. of, of Hollywood, you know. They invited me to Cannes, where they were like promoting the show to other networks all around the world. And like there was so much glamour and money in this. And I, I got like super excited about it. Sent like half of my team to LA where we set up base and we started working with with MPC. And we spent, I don't know how many millions of dollars on that project. All of our fundraising was kind of aligned to that. There was massive revenue potential there. You know, basically imagine like a, a live game show where you could have the app, pay like one dollar to participate, and you could win a million dollars every day. Right. I mean you know. Everyone thinks they're so smart. Everyone like watches game shows and think they can do it better. Just imagine—it hasn't been really been done properly yet. I know that Netflix mm-hmm. is doing something now, and, but not like this. And we got super excited about it. We kind of put all our eggs into that that basket. And then I still remember that day. I mean, I just got an email from the executive of MPC, like, "Hey, really sorry about it. it it's canceled." And this is, oh. but the problem there, and the the, the lesson I learned there and this goes to all entrepreneurs, is mm. not to put your ex, all your eggs into the same basket. Because we surely mm. did that. You know, we were just betting on that. It was a long process. And when it, like, got swept under us, we were in a super difficult situation because we were in the middle of a fundraising. And this was kind of mm. like the main, you know, <laughs> pitch of our revenue model going yeah. forward. And it, it just put us into a very bad spot. So, yeah, movies. Uh, yeah, I mean...
1: Yeah, that is a good lesson. It is. It's it's always a good lesson to be careful who you partner with and then be careful to how much of your business becomes dependent upon that partnership.
0: Yeah, that's the the real key piece. I mean, obviously you want to be careful who you partner with, but like how much energy you put into it. Like you said, it's the same thing with the North Star on product as it is on like how your company operates and sustains
2: itself too,
0: Mm -hmm. right? Like there has to be something within that is the key. Yeah.
2: I I agree. I mean, in in this instance, for example, I can blame myself that I kind of lost sight of my North Star because my North Star for QuizUp was a mobile you know, gaming social network, which it became.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. But you're right, Jordan. I've built a resistance to this, I think, at this point in time (laughs) in my career. So I'll be hugely skeptical about any sort of offers that seem too good to be true.
0: Well, I'm excited to see what you do next, because I do feel like you've had this long career in gaming that has been super successful and also. So you know, not at the same time, mm-hmm. right? With some big dips in there, mm-hmm. and you've learned so many lessons. So I mean, I think that if I were a VC, I would bet on you just because, like, how could you not? You've you've gone through it all. <laughs> you you you've got to get it right this time, right? Just and I think that you will again
2: the sum of the same.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: no, exactly. As long as you're
0: making new mistakes, you're you're Gucci.
2: I think I, in my in tea time, I, I thought that I'd learned so much from Quiz Up, but then I like made a whole new session of mistakes that I have categorized now in my <laughs> book of mistakes. No, I mean, but this <laughs> is, look, I mean, my first game I ever made before Quiz it was a children's game and I was like super passionate about it. It was called The Moogies. And no one has heard about it. But it's one of the most proud experiences that I've ever, like the game is one of the best experiences I've created. You can't find it anywhere now, maybe a trailer somewhere. And it felt like I I overestimated the appeal of the game so greatly that after that game was launched and I was practically bankrupt, I was like in a totally dark place. You know, I just came from university. I'd spent my whole savings on this game. I really believed in it. And I think like my main lesson in this Roller coaster of a career I've had is still the same. It's just perseverance. Don't quit. It would have been mm-hmm. so easy to quit after the mm-hmm. first kind of failure and the stigma that surrounds it. But I don't know, like a month after that total failure, which was actually kind of like humiliating to me because it was kind of public in my small town of, Reykjav- of Iceland because, you know, if you do things like this, everyone notices. So I was like kind of mm-hmm. humiliated after that. And just Quiz Up came along or that idea or that North Star that it was. And just got back on the horse, just like now. So I think that's, that's yeah. like the, the biggest lesson. And I, I, it's, a, it's a cliche, of course, but this is definitely the biggest lesson of any entrepreneur can give to another. Just don't, don't quit. Unless you really, yeah, really bad at it. But otherwise... Yeah, if <laughs> you're terrible, quit. There's always
0: exceptions to every rule. If you've
2: never seen a glimmer of success in your career, maybe you should think about it, but...
1: <laughs> but that is a great place to end with yeah. advice to never quit unless you have to <laughs> but thanks so much thor this has been great i love this conversation i love chatting with you Delightful. i'm energized about everything my life the future of gaming it was wonderful your so life so wow much. that was
0: yeah. powerful I'm, there yes. was a pretty negative nancy so
2: <laughs> i try to leave you know all of the people i speak with like more happy with their life that's kind of my goal you do no, i'm joking thor, I, I just don't i don't that. do that at all I'm just, trying to be <laughs> all right well
0: we appreciate you Thor. thank you for hanging with us today It was super fun do we have any like closing words we're supposed to tell people no I think no just join good.
1: us next week for equity live same time right here and thanks again for listening to found
2: everybody and now a word from our sponsor oh <laughs> no, no. <laughs> sorry had to do that okay goodbye okay.
0: family
1: bye Found is hosted by myself, TechCrunch news editor, Daryl Etherington, and TechCrunch managing editor, Jordan Crook. Yashad Kokarni is our executive producer. We are produced by Maggie Stamitz and edited by Cal Kel Keller. TechCrunch's audio products are managed by Henry Pickovit. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and on Twitter at twitter.com found. You can also email us at found at techcrunch.com. And you can call us and leave a voicemail at 510-936-1618. Also, we'd love if you could spare a few minutes to fill out our listener survey at bit.ly slash survey. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.